Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's show, a quick reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and supported by those who can afford it. So uh, if you have found this podcast a useful companion during 2020, and you'd like to see it continue through 2021, I would invite you to go to plantyourself.com slash gift. If you are in a position where you have the means to support something that means something to you and hopefully uh, you think is doing good in the world. You can use PayPal or Patreon. You can make a one-time contribution or become an ongoing sustaining patron of the show. And if funds are too tight for you to show your appreciation in a monetary sense, you can still leave a review of the Plant Yourself podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. That also helps us a great deal. All right, on to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of PlantYourself.com, the Big Change Program, and Well Start Health. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a free and fabulous life. So I kind of believe that for change to be valuable, it has to be hard. That it takes effort, that no pain, no gain, and that if somehow change just sort of happens to us, then maybe we're cheating. Like, I realize when I think about it, I kind of don't believe in grace. And so it's a good thing that today's guest is named Grace, Grace Smith, who is the founder of Grace Smith Hypnosis, which you can find on the web at gshypnosis.com. She is a hypnotherapist. She's an author. She uh, works with celebrities, athletes, government officials, CEOs. She's done a lot of media work, and her mission is to make hypnosis mainstream to battle some of the, the PR problems that, that hypnosis has from, from Hollywood, from stage hypnotists getting people to strut around and cluck like chickens, and to share with people that hypnotherapy can help change become not so hard, can help us align so that we're not fighting against our impulses and desires, but rewire, reprogram, recondition ourselves so that what we want in the moment and what we want long term are the same thing. How Imagine how nice that would be. Before we get to the discussion, two quick points that I've been bringing up a lot lately, and they're coming to a head. We have two new offerings from WellStart Health coming up this month in the next couple of weeks. One is the what we used to call the Big Change Program. And maybe we still do call it the Big Change Program among ourselves when no one else is listening. It's a 12-week program. It's intensive sort of health retreat led by myself and Josh Lajani. And we've taken hundreds of people through the program up to this point, and people have lost weight, gotten off their meds, gotten off their psych meds, their depression meds, started walking, running, getting more engaged in their lives, in their communities, finding new jobs. It's amazing what happens when people begin the process of starting to treat themselves as worthy people deserving of health and happiness. So if you'd like to join us for our next run of the program, just go to wellstarthealth.com slash program where you can read about it and apply at the bottom of that page. And if you'd like to learn how to do what Josh and I do, the in-depth outcome-oriented health coaching that we engage in with participants at Wellstart, the second coach training program is going to begin probably in two weeks. 
Um, and I'm getting, we're getting ready. Kevin Davis and I are putting that together and we're getting ready to announce it to the world and open up the, uh, the gates for a few days. And so if you're interested in that, just email me hj at plantyourself.com. And next week we will be getting out all the information you need to make a decision about taking that course. All right. So let's talk about hypnosis. Let's talk about the power of hypnosis, the real power. Let's talk about the limitations and let's talk about how you can begin to change your own health patterns, mindsets, habits, destiny through a very, very simple and ancient technique. So without further ado, Grace Smith, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to learning because I don't know very much about what you do. So why don't we begin there? Tell us what you do. Absolutely. So I am on a mission to make hypnosis mainstream. And a lot of times when people first hear that, I think their reaction is, why would that be something you're so passionate about that it's your mission in life? But the truth is, when you use hypnosis and you use hypno uh, hypnotherapy to overcome habits that aren't serving you, mindsets, that isn't serving you, beliefs about yourself that aren't serving you, um, then you end needless suffering. So plain and simple using hypnosis ends needless suffering. And I am very passionate about making sure that people no longer equate hypnosis with singing watches and clucking chickens and the sunken place, which is all a bunch of made up nonsense, <sighs> and instead know it for what it truly is, which is meditation with a goal. Okay, so... Um... I I guess my first question, you know, I, I I like to I like to be very sort of open and inclusive in this podcast and talk about lots of stuff that aren't mainstream. But one of the challenges is that things that aren't mainstream very often don't have much science behind them. So I'd love to start there with like you know, there is a lot of hype about hypnosis. There's a lot of mystery and uh showmanship around it. What is the science? around um, hypnosis. And then I guess we'll, you know, we'll get into like what it is and what it isn't and, and what it means to say meditation with a purpose. But, but is, is there science that says this actually helps people? Absolutely. So the reason why hypnosis isn't mainstream yet actually isn't the lack of science. There's a plethora of research being done about the efficacy of hypnosis. And I'll get into a few of those main studies in just a minute. But the reason why hypnosis isn't mainstream is because it's had a PR problem. That's the only reason why. Hollywood has just lied about what it is. Every time they need a character to do something they wouldn't normally do, they just blame it on hypnosis, which is just not the fair representation of what it actually is. Same with stage hypnotists. So the truth about the science of hypnosis is that when you're in a deeply relaxed state and you're feeling safe and your body is not producing the stress hormone of cortisol, you become open to suggestions, but you don't become open to suggestions you don't want to absorb. So one of the misconceptions is that hypnosis is mind control. And what I'm about to tell you, as soon as I say it, everyone's going to think to themselves, oh my God, that's so much, that's just common sense. That makes sense. But we've never thought about it this way again, because of the movies and stage shows. So if hypnosis were mind control, Every single hypnotist would be a billionaire, and anyone who was interested in making a lot of money would not study to go work on Wall Street. They would study to become a hypnotist. 
And if hypnosis were mind control, every company would hire a hypnotist to run their commercials. And instead of sitting on your couch at night watching television, you'd be getting up every 60 seconds to run to your car, turn on the ignition and go buy something you didn't want because you had just been under mind control. Hypnosis is so much not mind control that you have to actually want the results in order for it to work. So when you're in that deeply relaxed state, feeling safe, your body has the surplus energy that is necessary to create new dendrite connections in your brain from neuron to neuron, which means you can create a new habit or belief almost instantaneously. And a study found that where 600 sessions of psychotherapy results in 33% improvement, six sessions of hypnotherapy results in 93% improvement. There are studies from Harvard that show that the use of hypnotherapy healed bones 40% faster. There are studies from Stanford showing that women with breast cancer, when they used hypnosis to overcome pain during their chemotherapy and radiation treatments, decreased pain by up to 80%. And in a 10-year follow-up of that same study, those who had done the hypnosis had a 50% higher survival rate. And there's also studies that show that hypnosis is effective in overcoming 83% of IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. And that doesn't have anything to do with overcoming fear of public speaking, stopping nail biting, overcoming fear of flying, all of these fear and phobia aspects as well. So there's studies showing actual physical changes in the body as much as changes in our mindset. So plenty of science, and I've dedicated a whole chapter to that in my book, Close Your Eyes, Get Free, because it is so important that people know that this research is out there. Beautiful. So I'll uh, get a copy of the book and uh, post those references so people can look them up. It's my my listeners like to do that. Um, so, so one thing that comes to me is when you talk when you talk about um, like changing new habits, getting new habits or beliefs almost instantly. So, part of me, and I'm not sure where this comes from, feels like that's cheating, right? That it, it should be hard. Mm. Well, it is hard when you're using willpower. So, if you imagine, if I'm not sure if everybody listening has seen this image, but there's a popular image of an iceberg that Freud used to describe the difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious. So the conscious mind is that little tiny bit that's above the surface of the water. And then the subconscious is the 90% of that mass, which is actually underneath the water. That's what sunk the Titanic, right? So our willpower lives in that 10% of our conscious brain. So if someone came to me and they said, you know what, Grace, I'm just not sure if this is going to work. I don't have any willpower. I'd say you could have all the willpower in the world and it wouldn't matter. It's still only 10% of the equation. So if you want to overcome an addiction to carbs with hypnosis, you're not increasing your willpower so that when you see it, you have the power to say, I want it, but I'm not going to have it. What you actually do is you reprogram your relationship to the carbs that whatever you know, when those sugars break down in your system and they give you that serotonin bump, whatever that subconscious belief that's asking you to fulfill that need, we change that. We go back and say whatever the loneliness is or the lack of self-confidence or the lack of self-worth or the fears or the insecurities that are triggering that, we change those so then you just don't want the carbs. And um, 
I think, you know, that belief of needing the change to be hard might be the very best place to start with your hypnotherapy sessions and to say, you know, where does that belief come from? I don't need to have it. Change does not need to be hard. It doesn't need to be difficult and it can be lasting. So you can get on that path to living your best life sooner rather than later. Gotcha. So, so the other thing that I think may uh, interfere with uh, hypnosis research is placebo effect, right? So people can say, well, this is, this is just in your mind or, you know, we, how can we, we prove it? Um, I mean, it seems to me there's a pretty obvious response to that. But I'm wondering, you know, do you come across that? That, people, you know, that, you know if, you, if we fix your bones through this drug, then we know it's real. But if we're doing hypnosis, well... It's just your perception of pain or and maybe because of your perception of, of feeling better, you do other things that allow you to heal better. So it's not really the hypnosis. Well, to that, I would say I don't care. Right. As long as people are getting better, who cares what it is? But ultimately, we know that it's not placebo because when studies have been done at Stanford and they did mapping of the brain, if somebody were to just imagine, right, they did this with um, Olympic athletes who were imagining going through their sports, when they did it without hypnosis, the parts of the brain that lit up are the parts that imagined something. But when they did it in hypnosis, the parts of the brain that lit up were the ones that light up when they're actually doing it. So you are creating connections in the brain in the same exact places that light up when you're doing the physical activity. You're creating new neurological links in the same way you would when you're actually completing that act. So it's not placebo, but it's not like I think there's anything wrong with the placebo effect being effective. It just has nothing to do with hypnosis. Gotcha. So so if you're if I'm trying to accomplish something, let's say I'm an athlete and I'm trying to, uh, you know, to... Um, shoot the perfect jump shot from the three-point line or something. Like in, in, in the real world, there's all these things that could go wrong. But when I'm doing it under hypnosis, I get to direct the movie perfectly, right? Is that, is that part of what's going on? Absolutely. And you're conditioning your ability to do whatever it is you want to do, which strengthens your ability to do it out in the world. So if you're overcoming a fear of public speaking – what you're probably doing is running over and over in your mind the idea of bombing or turning red or shaking or tripping as you walk up the steps because your fears are running the show. When you're in hypnosis, you're in the theta brainwave state. You're so wonderfully, deeply relaxed. But as you say, you can direct that movie to see yourself walk up confidently to deliver the speech in a very charismatic, wonderful way, and then to enjoy the applause and sit back down when it's over and get on with your day instead of thinking about it over and over again. Same thing with athletics. You see yourself getting the shot in over and over and over again in a positive way. So now you actually have a framework in your brain of neurological connections that support a positive outcome. So when you go out and do it, they already exist and you're just repeating the habit. So with hypnosis, we lay down the track, but then when you go out and do it in real life, you want to come back and make sure you anchor in that success from the real world experience and build upon it that way. Okay. So how do you do that? How do you anchor, you know, let's say, let's say I go out and I give a speech and it's not a zero, but it's not a hundred either. Like I, I'm still a little bit nervous. I trip over a couple of lines. I forget 
to say a thing, but I did much better than before. How do, how do we then take that back into hypnosis to, uh, to reinforce the good and, and build on it? Yeah, absolutely. So if you have any kind of improvement at all whatsoever, you're taking a step in the right direction. And so in hypnosis, you would come back and you would say, see, you didn't die. See, you didn't get fired. See, it was absolutely amazing. You did such a good job. Imagine all of the wonderful, amazing things that you did. That's great. And now imagine it again with those little blips. Go ahead and improve upon those even further. So if someone were to come to me and say, I have a terrible fear of public speaking, make me feel confident. And then we do it all these great sessions, but they never go out and actually publicly speak. <laughs> then we're not going to be able to get as far as if they do a session with me. They feel amazing. They go out and speak and say, oh, my God, that was at least a 30 percent improvement after just one session. Amazing. Let's anchor that in. Now go back out and do it again. That was another 30% improvement. Now I'm 60% better than I used to be after just two sessions. And that's how you can see where with six sessions, you're able to really make a lasting transformation in someone's life. Um, you know, we have to be realistic. You don't get turned into a robot with hypnosis. It's again, not mind control. It's a process of conditioning. So you're not going to be Tony Robbins after doing two speeches in your life. It takes a lot of conditioning and practice. But irrational fears that are making us worse than we would have been or are keeping us small and afraid from going out and actually practicing the way we need to practice to become good, those things can be overcome with hypnosis very quickly. And it changes your whole life. I mean, that's what I used hypnosis for in the beginning. I used it to quit smoking and overcome a fear of public speaking. And a few weeks ago, I hypnotized thousands of people in Central Park at Aussie Fest. Um, right before Hillary Clinton went on stage. That was a magnificent moment in my life. And I never would have had that experience if it weren't for hypnosis. It just happens to be funny that it was also about hypnosis. But in your own life, you can think about these incredible experiences that could be waiting for you. And we need to overcome these rational fears in order to get there. Hmm. So let's talk about you and your life. So when you you were a smoker, if you ended up quitting, um, so when did you first, um, I mean, discover, I mean, we all know about hypnosis, right? From, from stage in Hollywood. Um, but when did you approach it as a, uh, as a means of improving your life? So I first became aware of hypnosis about seven years ago, uh, when I was trying to quit smoking cigarettes and I had tried the patches, gum, cold turkey, and nothing was working. Uh, and somebody suggested hypnosis, and I just sort of said, you know, what do I have to lose? I mean, literally, I've tried everything else. But I went with my arms pressed over my chest, not thinking it was going to work, thinking it was, you know, clucking like a chicken or creepy mind control, because that was the only education I'd had about it, and that was it. So I went in hoping it would work, but assuming that it wouldn't. And what happened was the session was so relaxing. I felt so empowered. It was the exact opposite of feeling like mind control. For the first time, I actually felt like I understood my mind and why I was doing what I was doing. It turned out my subconscious thought that smoking was keeping me safe. It thought I was living in the Lower East Side in New York City, you know, fast paced career girl, but at night would, you know, change into my hipster clothes and, um, hit the clubs, right? Hit the bars. And so smoking, my subconscious thought was keeping me safe from being bothered by people on the street. That if I was smoking, I would have this 
cloud of protection around me. Um, and that's ridiculous, right? That's totally counterintuitive. Smoking was hurting me, but my subconscious thought it was keeping me safe by keeping me unapproachable. I never would have known that was the case without accessing my subconscious mind. Um, so once we did that, we have a conversation with the subconscious. Actually, this is hurting me. Let's replace this with something else. Um, and I quit smoking in that day. So six sessions is the average to achieve 93% improvement, but there are outlier experiences. And when I quit smoking in one day, I said, what the heck is this? Why does anybody have lung cancer? Why does anybody have emphysema? Why is anybody smoking if they don't want to smoke? Um, I need to know more about what this is because this feels like a human rights issue. The fact that I thought it would be the exact opposite of what it was makes me think that uh, there's an issue here and I need to find out more. So I, I got a certification and with that used it to overcome the fear of public speaking. Um, and then a little bit later on when I was only doing this part time, I was asked to help a man named Alexandre. And he was a UN peacekeeping ambassador in Syria. One day, his UN convoy was crossing the city of Damascus, and he was stopped at a blockade. And when he looked outside his window, there was a bazooka pointed straight at him. And ten days later, he woke up at a hospital in Lebanon to find that he had suffered a stress-induced stroke and was now paralyzed on the left-hand side of his body. So three months later, he was flown back to New York City to the Rusk Institute where he was being treated for um, his stroke. And I was asked to see if I could come in and help improve his mindset because at that point he was so broken, so depressed. Uh, he had really lost his identity, his life as he had known it. And at that point, I'd only been doing this part time. I was passionate about it, but not yet ready to quit my day job that I'd been so, you know, working so hard to get up that corporate ladder. But I said, I honestly have no idea if we can help improve his mindset. I mean, this is really debilitating depression he's experiencing, but what do we have to lose? So I went in that day to the Rusk Institute. I found Alessandre lying there in his hospital bed, still unable to move a muscle on the left side of his body. And we both just sort of looked at each other and said, let's give this a shot. So we closed his eyes. I helped him to relax into that beta brainwave state through a hypnotic induction. And then halfway through the session, I got this voice in my head that said, Grace, he's military, be militant. So I said, okay, Alessandra, I want you to imagine you're in a helicopter flying over a city at night. And the city you're flying over at night, you can see where the electricity is on and you can see where the power is out. And this is a map of your brain. So notice where all the electricity is on, where all the light is on, and now fly to where there's a blackout, where there's no electricity at all, and let me know when you're there. And he did. And I said, okay, when I count down from three to one and snap my fingers, there's going to be an explosion right there where the blackout once was. Three, going even deeper. Two, trusting what comes, and one. And now the electricity from that blackout, it travels down the left-hand side of your face, down your neck, down your shoulder, through your arm, out your finger. And I hadn't even finished the word, and he was moving his left finger. Mm. 
and his eyes shot open and he looked at me and he said, what do I do now? And I said, keep moving your finger. <laughs> and at that point, we both burst into tears and the session was over. And that was it. I quit my corporate job that day and I've been on a mission to make hypnosis mainstream ever since. <laughs> the very best part of the story is I actually ended up marrying Alexandre's son. So oh. that was the day I met my future father-in-law. <laughs> Oh my God! I think I think Hollywood needs to I mean, tell that. To say, changed all our lives. <laughs> Hollywood needs to tell that story yes. to a to a tone. <laughs> yes, <sighs> I completely agree. Wouldn't that be wonderful to finally say this is the story everyone should have been hearing all along about the power of this tool? <laughs> uh, so uh, so I'm hearing lots of uh, of chatter from my doubting mind. So uh, you know, let's let's indulge it. Um, so what's special about hypnosis like I, I get relaxed all the time like I'll, I'll go for a massage or I'll do craniosacral work or I will just sit down and meditate or I will lie down on my bed and just close my eyes and feel you know through various techniques my muscles relaxing my mind not agitating over things how come we don't just spontaneously fix our habits and our beliefs and our mindsets during those moments? Well, that's why we need a certified hypnotherapist who's an expert at what they do, because it's not just a matter of relaxing. We sleep at night. You know, it's a matter of being able to access your subconscious. So our normal waking state is a beta brainwave. So when we're just speaking the way that we are, if we were to put electrodes on our head, we would see that we were producing beta brainwaves. When we go into daydreaming, just like daydreaming, you're doing your work, you start to stare out the window, you start to think about something else, it's a little more relaxed, it's a little more uninhibited, it's a little more creative, those great ideas you get in the shower. That's the alpha brainwave state. Deeper than that is the theta brainwave state. This is the state you're in when you're in hypnosis and in deep meditation, not just relaxed, not like in a massage, because I've certainly been in massages where my body feels great, but my mind is still racing. So this is in a place where you are in your most uninhibited state. That same conscious mind that says, oh, that's a stupid idea, that'll never work. Or I smoke because I'm addicted to smoking, that's why. All that goes away and you get to hear things like, the reason you're smoking is because I'm keeping you safe. I'm keeping you unapproachable by putting that cloud of smoke around you. So an expert hypnotherapist will guide you in there and ask the right questions to find out what is your subconscious programming. Because whether we know what it is or we don't know what it is, it's still running the show. But when you get into the theta brainwave state, which is uninhibited and so creative, it's your greatest resource state, you find out what those beliefs are so then you can actually change them. And if you're not working with a private hypnotherapist, a hypnotherapy recording, you'll find feels a whole lot like guided meditation. That's the thing that I hear all the time. People say, oh, it just feels like guided meditation. And that's why I call hypnosis meditation with a goal. But the difference is, is if a hypnotherapist is writing that script, then it's not just about a visualization. It's about getting into the theta brainwave state and doing the work that's necessary to transform a belief. And we've got 3,000 years of practices that we've learned to be able to do that. I mean, hypnosis was done in sleep temples in ancient Egypt. So we've got a long lineage of protocol that hypnotherapists learn in order to help you do that. Um, and just so you know, at our company, Grace Based Hypnosis, 
all of our hypnotherapists offer sessions over the phone and they only offer them over the phone because we actually find it's more effective that way. So for anybody who's listening, they're thinking to themselves, well, this sounds great, but there is not a local hypnotherapist for a hundred miles because I live in this rural part of the country. Um, that's not necessary. It's actually more effective to have a session over the phone because you're in that theta brainwave state longer. You're not rushing to your meeting or sitting in traffic before or after you can show up in your PJs, you know, have the session in the comfort of your own home, and you extend that period of relaxation by doing so. Mm-hmm. Got it. Does uh, that answer your question? Yeah. So, so um, I'm just unpacking all the doubts, right? Um, cool. So the ne- the next one is that I've had this experience many times where, I, let's say, I would go to a uh, a shamanic workshop or some sort of visualization, and I would be like trying to get into a state of hearing like my guides or my inner wisdom or something. And then I'll hear something. And the first thing I'll do is, well, I just made that up, right? I'll doubt that it was actually a voice of, of creativity and wisdom, but just like, oh, I just, you know, I like in my mind, the voice that has the answers, like the voice that would say, oh, you're scared of giving up smoking because you see it as protection. Like that should come with thunder and lightning in a deep voice with like psychedelic pictures. Like it should clearly not be the same voice that I hear things like, Hey, don't forget to, you know, buy cashew milk and bananas. (laughs) Right. So how how do we learn to trust and how, how do we know whether to trust that a voice is actual and not just like me making stuff up? It's a great question, and it's one of the reasons why I don't offer individual sessions anymore and why I only – sorry about that. The landscaper just came, so my dog's barking. And I hope it's not too distracting. I'll move no, to we, another room. We, um, my listeners, lo- lo- we love animal lovers, so knowing you have a dog just you know, raised you in everyone's estimation. <laughs> Oh, good. I've got two dogs and a cat, so I'm, I'm in for the win. Um, but, yeah, so – when you have your first session, there's going to be a lot of doubt in the mind. There is going to be a lot of conscious interference and conscious thoughts that are saying, is this real? Is this working? Am I relaxed enough? I'm not blacked out because no matter how many times I tell someone, you're not going to be blacked out in hypnosis. It's just meditation with a goal. It's not like the movies tell you. That whole first session is a lot of just realizing what it actually feels like and what that voice actually sounds like, what the experience is. The good news is you learn to trust it very, very quickly because of the results. The hypnosis session itself is just the vehicle. It's the car or it's the jet plane that's getting us where we want to go. But as soon as you realize you're getting there, you're getting closer and closer to that destination. The anxiety is less. The confidence is higher. You're not biting the nails. You don't want the carbs. Um, You're getting over that inflammation faster. Whatever it is, you start to say, oh, wow, I can really trust this because it's working. So then by the time you come back for your second or third session, if that voice doesn't come with thunder and lightning, you're not concerned about it. You just let it be because you've had the proof of concept, because you've lived the results. And so you're just looking forward to seeing what's going to happen next. So that really develops over time, but it does happen very quickly because those results do start even after the first session. Mm-hmm. So you say that, that a person can really can stay a scientist. They can be a scientist of themselves, of their results. They don't have to give up 
anything of their their intellect or their free will. They don't have to give up anything they don't want to give up. No, if, if anything, I would say it's your free will that's going to make this session work because it's not mind control. If you don't want the result, you can't have it. If somebody came to me and said, Grace, I believe in hypnosis, I believe in it, but I love smoking, even though I know I should quit because it's bad for me, can you make me quit? I'd say, no, it's nice that you believe in hypnosis, but actually that's not a requirement. It's not a religion. It doesn't require faith or trust or belief. It's just a scientifically proven fact that this is what's happening in your brain when you're in the theta brainwave state. But if someone came to me and said, Grace, I don't believe in hypnosis at all. I think it's total quackery. I think it's ridiculous. But I really, really hate smoking and I want to quit. I want to quit so badly. They'll quit in one or two sessions because the belief doesn't matter. That's just, again, from the movies. And they have to want the result in order to have it. So there's nothing to give up. You either really want the result so you're going to see it, or if you don't want the result, you're not going to see it. So that's why it's so important when someone comes to me and they give me their laundry list of things they'd like to work on. Because once people realize that hypnosis can be used for so much, it's like, okay, great. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. We always put them in order of what's causing you the most amount of pain or what's causing you the most amount of upset in your life. You'll have the greatest motivation to overcome that first. We're going to start there and work our way down because wherever you have the greatest motivation, that's you're going to see the fastest results. Mm hmm. And that's kind of the opposite of the way a lot of sort of behavioral science looks at it, where let's let's give you confidence by giving you the smallest possible win. So, you know, there, there are people that I work with that I would say, you know, they want to go become an athlete. Um, but we'll say, like, the first thing is just, you know, put on running shoes. Don't even go running. Just put on running shoes, because, like, we think that they're only, they're they're not going to have success tackling the real issue, the hard stuff. But you're saying like start where the biggest pain is because this it's it's almost like there's there's no such thing as hard or not hard if you're working with it the right way. It's it's like if someone came to me and they said, um, I am so nervous at work that I can never speak up in meetings and I start shaking and I turn red when I need to talk to my boss. I'd also like to lose 10 pounds. And I'd also like to stop biting my nails. I'll say which one of these things is bothering you the most on a regular basis, because that's the one that you'll have the greatest motivation to overcome. And they'll say, well, I don't really need to lose the 10 pounds just yet. It's just, I just kind of would like that. That would be nice. The biting nails, I really don't like it because when people look at my nails, I think they think I feel insecure and I really don't like that. So that's pretty high up there but I'm really suffering every day at work. So we'll say, okay, great. We're going to start with really suffering at work, overcoming that because on a scale of zero to 10, your motivation to overcome that is like a nine or a 10. It's causing you pain every day. So you're going to see those results fastest. And then the good news is by improving that, we've already gotten to a place where you're feeling more confident. It's going to be even easier to tackle the nail biting. And then when we finally get to the losing of the 10 pounds, you're going to be in a place where you can topple that over pretty quickly too. Does that make sense? Where if we start with the 10 pounds, just because maybe it would be the easier one, the motivation isn't there. And so we wouldn't see the results as quickly. Yeah, it's almost like you're, you're kind of collapsing the diagram in my mind where like I'm, I'm picturing, you know, a matrix where on one side is like importance 
Mm-hmm. And on, you know, let's say on the left side, it's importance, high importance, low importance. And over the top, it's, um, you know, ease. Some things are easy and some things are hard. And you're saying that the, the important thing with, with, med- with, uh, with hypnosis is the, the importance and that what we don't think about is this going to be easy or hard. Like, you know, we, it's almost like there's, there's no matrix. It's just, just let's tackle the thing that's hardest because we don't care. Let's tackle the thing that's most important to you because we don't care how hard or easy it is because when we get the mind working in the right way, things that you assumed would be incredibly hard turn out not to be. Exactly. And it really all is a matter of conditioning. So if someone came to me and they said, you know, Grace, I need to lose a hundred pounds. I'm morbidly obese and I need double knee replacement surgery. My insurance isn't going to cover it unless I'm able to lose some of this weight. At that point, this is the most important thing, but that doesn't mean they're going to lose a hundred pounds in two sessions. That would be totally unrealistic. But it's still the thing that we need to focus on because it's causing the most amount of acute pain in their daily life. And it is going to require a significant amount of conditioning. But when we start there and we get that ball rolling and we're starting to see the weight come off significantly, we're starting to change those beliefs that led to that addiction in the first place, then we can move on to something else. So, yeah, you're exactly right. There's no there's no like start with the easy win, even if it doesn't really matter or it's not that important to me. We have to go and start with what's most important to you, what's going to make the biggest change, what's causing the most amount of pain, and then go down from there. Mm-hmm. Great. So I love that you mentioned, you know, sort of addiction now to food. And earlier you mentioned a, a cigarette addiction. So part of me is going, okay, I can understand that there are certain beliefs, like the belief that cigarettes are keeping me safe, or maybe the belief that this extra hundred pounds is keeping me from you know, having to be a sexual being in this world or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, But there's also chemical addictions. So I'm curious how you see hypnosis dealing with the fact that nicotine is addictive and that sugar is addictive. Um, That that seems like it's it's beyond the ability of of suggestion and, and creative theta waves to to address right right away. And yet, in you know, in the anecdotes that you're sharing, and in the studies that you've referenced, clearly, it does do we do so do we have a, a, the wrong understanding of physiological addiction? Because um, it, se- it seems it seems like we can't have that like an, a belief that there are things that are physiologically addictive, and we need to withdraw from them slowly over time. And the, the effectiveness of hypnosis in occasional sort of one-shot cures? Well, it's definitely not one-shot. The one-shot where you quit in one session, are they are an outlier experience. Again, the six sessions is the average to see 93% improvement. So since it's the average, some people need 12, some people need one. I needed one for smoking. I needed 10 for my fear of public speaking. So um, everybody's different. And the amount of conditioning that you need will vary. But still, if you compare that to 600 sessions of psychoanalysis as the average for 33% improvement, it's incredibly rapid. So if you want to overcome a sugar addiction in six sessions and you have one session a week for six weeks, you've completely flushed all of the sugar out of your system by then. Any physiological addiction would be completely gone by week three at the very most. Then it's all psychological and emotional. Um, I helped a woman overcome her addiction to sugar on CBS's show, The Doctors. 
And we had three sessions. And I saw her when I went back a year later to talk about hypnobirthing on the show. And she was like, Grace, I still don't want sugar. It's not willpower. It's not like I see it and I just don't go to grab it or I, I don't miss it. I just don't want it. I, and she really, really wanted to quit. Um, but she had this emotional link where she used to bake with her mother when she was younger. So when she was feeling kind of sad and lonely, she would grab the sweets because there was this subconscious link that sweets equaled baking equaled her mother's love. And when we were able to untangle that, the physiological addiction to sugar went along with it quite simply. Um, same thing with smoking. You're going to get that nicotine out of your, out of your system faster than you think. And I don't want anyone listening to think it's going to take one hypnosis session. That is definitely an outlier experience. So if you go have one session first to cut down, maybe you're smoking a pack a day, that's 20 cigarettes, you know, about cut down to 10 with one session. Then that's less nicotine in your body already. With the next session, you can cut down to five. With the next one, quit. With the next one, enforce the quitting. And usually when we quit smoking, we replace the cigarettes with drinking water because there's typically a fear that you'll replace smoking cigarettes with eating food. Um, and that there will be weight gain. That's a big fear for a lot of smokers. And so we replace smoking cigarettes with sipping water, which means you're flushing out those toxins much faster anyway. So I'm not saying that um, physiological addiction isn't real. I'm just saying that if you approach hypnotherapy from the standpoint of you're going to need however many sessions you specifically need for conditioning, the average being six, then those sessions are going to support you through the withdrawal phase um, as that stuff gets removed from your body. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So I, I didn't mean to do, to suggest that that uh, you know that there's a magical one session cure for addictions, but the fact that that you know there are mm -hmm. outliers tells me that we have you know all all I need is one outlier data that I believe to call a theory into question. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. when you quit smoking, did you go through like three or four days or a week or three weeks of withdrawal? No, I just didn't want cigarettes anymore. I mean, I, you know, this yeah, was yeah. See, that, seven that... years ago, so I'm not sure if I had, you know, I might have had a headache or two, but I, I don't remember that. And I certainly, I just remember I didn't want them anymore. And I was amazed. And I, I just didn't want them anymore. This thing that I used to, you know, I was bartending at the time. That was how I took my break. All my friends smoked. You know, it was just everybody who I hung out with in the Lower East Side still smoked. It's amazing how many, how, how much has changed in seven years, like being in the wellness world now. But yeah, I mean, there was no like migraine that left me knocked out or anything like that. I just didn't want cigarettes. Mm -hmm. See, that, I mean, to me, that says that, we, that our understanding of addiction is not complete. I think that there's probably a lot of room to, to learn more about when people say they're addicted, the behaviors that they then exhibit and the physiological responses to the belief of I'm addicted. Um, I have had clients where when they're giving us caffeine, certainly had some caffeine withdrawal symptoms in the first week or two, but nothing bad enough that it would derail the, the long-term results of the hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So I want to come back to your story of helping Alessandre. And so you heard a voice saying he's mm -hmm. military, be militant. So I have two questions about that. What, one mm -hmm. is, so when, when you're a hypnotherapist, do you, are you just like constantly like tapping the theta pool 
in your brain? And and the second and the second question is so given given that that you got those instructions, right? Five words. Grace, he's military, be militant. That didn't tell you about the chopper and the dark sky. So like how how has becoming a hypnotherapist and practicing it changed who you are and what you're able to accomplish? That's such a great question. I haven't been asked this before, but it's so important. When I went to my first hypnotherapy certification course, I'll never forget, we were all sitting in a circle and the instructor had everybody go around and say who they were and why they were there and what they were doing before they were studying hypnosis. And the room was pretty much split. There were um, people from the medical community and then people from what, like the spiritual wellness community. So there were mediums and there were doctors and there were nurses and there were Reiki masters. And then it got to me and I was like, I'm a sales account executive. I have no idea why I'm here. I legitimately have no idea why I'm here <laughs> other than I used hypnosis and it changed my life so much that I just need to know more about what this is. So I had no idea why I was there. I was very apprehensive even about the training. But when I did my first practice session in that first training ever, I know that I channeled the entire thing. And this woman had been binge eating her whole life. Um, it was a week-long course. And I ate every meal with her, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the entire week. And she stopped binge eating. She stopped binge eating for the rest of her life. And I realized I was able to do something I had no idea I was able to do, um, which was to say exactly what the client needed to hear in order to heal. Now, I honed that through, I mean, that my first year in business, that day when Alessandre broke through his paralysis, the next week I launched my business with a living social campaign, like a Groupon, and I sold 952 sessions in 24 hours. I couldn't call my account executive fast enough to turn it off and shut it down. I was like, it's only me. How am I going to do all this? So I did a thousand sessions my first year in practice. So it's a combination of, I know I'm channeling. Um, I know the information is coming from a higher place. And I know this because every time I'm done with a session, my client will say, that was, I just don't know how you knew how to say that. It was the perfect thing. Like for Alessandro to be flying over a city at night, I didn't know that he had done over a thousand helicopter jumps in his lifetime. I had no idea. I just got this thought, he's military, be militant. And then I said the words of something he's actually done that I never knew he had done. Um, and it happens all the time. So it's, it's a combination of experience. I'm one of the most experienced hypnotherapists in the world now, but it's also knowing that from, from day one, from the first session that, that I was channeling. And I don't talk about that on every platform because I'm, my goal is to make hypnosis mainstream. So I don't want them to have to then be able to buy into the idea of channeling. But for me, energetically, I know that I, Grace Smith, step out of the way and some higher information is coming through. Mm -hmm. Well, there, and there's so much I want to follow up on there because, I mean, there's something like really relaxing about it not having to be you. Right. Like it sounds like to, I mean, to some extent, your hypnosis training and your your thousands of hours of practice added to your skill set. But it sounds like they also were subtractive. Like in the end, you're doing less and less and removing more and more technique and simply allowing yourself to be, you know, hollow, you know, and clean for, for wherever this information comes from. 
to kind of move through you. It seems like that, like it, it would be hard to be like a nervous hypnotherapist. Like, mm -hmm. boy, I hope this works. I hope I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it takes the pressure off because I know that I, I don't know anything about my clients when I first start working with them, um, but I don't have to. And so I think you're absolutely right. It's very relaxing that I can trust that no matter who comes to me, no matter what they want to work on, as long as they don't give up too early. And that's why I, I don't even offer less than 12 sessions now, because I want to make sure that we can get to a root of an issue, not just hack off a limb here or there, but to really get to the root of the issue. But when I was um, early on in my career, I would sell just one or two sessions at a time. And people would come to kind of, you know, test it out, try it out. And I'm like, this is going to work. It's, it works every time. It's just a matter of you getting the amount of conditioning you personally specifically need. And no matter how much it is, it's less than every other modality I've ever seen. It's still really fast. So don't leave before the miracle happens. And exactly right. I'm just the vessel. I'm just the messenger. I get out of my own way. I say what I know they need to hear. I do use the skills and the techniques that I was um, trained in, but uh you know, within that framework, I just, I get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing that really struck me was um, 952 sessions from a living social promotion. Um, do you, so do you, do you attribute that to just everyone's hungry for hypnosis and no one had been offering it? Or like as a, as a sales account executive, do you have like marketing chops and you were able to say things Differently, and I'm also thinking back to what you said at the very beginning about hypnosis having a PR problem. Like, it seems like you solved, at least for your business and for yourself, the PR problem of hypnosis. And so I'm wondering what, what happened that got 952 people before you could turn off the account? <laughs> uh, yes, that's exactly right. I worked at a company called Bloomspot, which was a high-end version of uh, Groupon or Living Social. So um, a yeah, $1,000 facial at the Waldorf Astoria was now available for 750 at their spot. So not helping anybody, but definitely a fun job because I got to go test out all the services. Um, so I had done that for quite some time. And when I, uh, when I created the deal at Living Social, I told my account executive, I said, I think this is going to do really well. I've been doing this for a lot of years. I haven't done it at this price point or on your platform or even for hypnosis, but I, I really think that this is going to perform well. We should put a cap on it. And she said, in the past, we've never sold more than a total of like a hundred sessions over seven days of a sale being available in hypnosis. So we definitely don't need a cap, at least not right away. We can check in in a day or two and see how it's going. And it just took off you know, it completely took off. And part of it was because the pricing was so low. And so that first year in business, I saw a thousand clients, but I lost $3 per client. By the time Living Social took their cut and I paid my New York City rent because I hadn't yet realized phone sessions are more effective. Um, I, I was exhausted seeing all these people eight to nine sessions a day and losing money um, on each session. So it was, it was a tough year. It was a boot camp. I feel like I got a PhD in a year. But um, yeah, that session had to do with pricing, that it was accessible enough. And then the copy was really good. It was about using hypnosis for overcoming insomnia and for weight loss. And there was just tons of people in New York City who wanted that. And um, that's what got me started. Wow.
That's so cool. Um, so another thing I'm thinking is people, uh, you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are health professionals and they're thinking, boy, this would be a great, you know, arrow to have in my, in my sling. Um, I'm thinking that myself, like, like, boy, you know, like, like I do a lot of coaching and thinking, like, boy, this would be a very useful thing. Are there, um, things that might disqualify someone from being hypnotherapist? Do you need like the voice? You know, do you need to have this, uh, you know, resonant voice? No. I, don't, I don't know what you sound like. You know, I, I used to live next door to a woman who was a, a public radio host and I did not recognize her on the radio. Like she, she put on a voice. So, like, uh, what, you know, is there yeah. anything that you need? I put on a voice. You do? <laughs> oh, can we hear it? Yeah. <laughs> Take a nice, deep, letting go breath, already beginning to relax both mind and body. <laughs> and I'd say, you know, you kind of cultivate your voice over time. Um, that's definitely part of it. We do have my students from my hypnotherapy certification school also create content for grace-based hypnosis. And sometimes it's so funny, the same person will get an email where they say, um, a, a customer will say, oh, I love her voice so much. It's so great. And the next email will be, I want a refund. I can't stand the voice. And it's the same voice. So mm. there's personal preference there for sure. But in order to be a good hypnotherapist and, and the women who go to my school, um, right now our school is women only, um, which is, is really great for the community, but ultimately I think we'll be opening it up to everybody pretty soon. Um, the women who come to my hypnotherapy certification school, they have a few things in common. They want to excel. So my school is not cheap and it's not easy. There are still hypnotherapy certifications that you can get in a week. And I think that that's criminal. I really don't think that a uh, client should be expected to trust their subconscious mind to somebody who's had that little of training. So my school is 250 hours. It's the highest standards um, that are required in our country. They come and study with me twice in person. The rest are all online modules. And so the people who come to my school, they really want to be the best at what they do because they want to provide the best care. The other piece is at this stage in the development of hypnotherapy as a career, you have to also be an entrepreneur. You know, you, there aren't hospitals yet hiring hypnotherapists in droves. So if you want to be a hypnotherapist, you have to know how to build a coaching business. And there was no school that I ever went to for hypnotherapy that also taught you how to build a hypnotherapy business. And we've built the largest hypnotherapy business in the world. So we, you know, know how to teach that too. So the women who come to our school are equally as interested in being the best they can be as hypnotherapists and not just getting the, the quick little thing. They're not looking at this as adding something to their tool belt. They realize in many ways, this is the belt. The subconscious is the belt and everything else hangs from that. Um, but they're also very interested in learning how to succeed from the business side of things. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm guessing that a lot, you know, a lot of people that I know in the helping professions have hangups about money and about promoting mm -hmm. themselves. And I'm guessing that's one of the things that, mm -hmm. that you, use, you use hypnosis yeah. to help people overcome. Yes, exactly. So our, our students, you know, they get hypnosis from me on a regular basis, obviously, during our classwork. And they're also practicing on one another. But there is a very common theme of people who are 
sort of helper oriented and want to make a difference in the lives of others, not feeling worthy or in alignment to charge for their services. And this is something that in 2018, it's just got to go. <laughs> People who are making the world a, a better place deserve to live an abundant life and deserve to live a life that's reflective of their deepest dreams. You know, the, the broken, broke healer is not a modality that's sustainable. Um, and I want to really empower women to be able to stay in these careers that help others because they're able to support themselves and their families by doing so. It's beautiful. Um, so for someone who is like me, has not experienced hypnotherapy or never had it called that if I, if I have. Um, so you said there are like recordings. So how, how does, you know, how does a, a skeptic begin with the least uh, risk or the least commitment to get a sense of, of, what, the, of, of, of what this is? You know, do, can people work with you or with your team? Uh, can they buy or download things? Is your, is your book like hypnosis in a, in a binder? Yes, exactly. I'd say, um, well, the, the least investment would be, you can look me up on YouTube or you can go to the website. It's gshypnosis.com. And on YouTube, I'm uh, Grace Smith TV, just my name and TV. And there are free videos and free downloads, both on our website. There's great blogs, um, blogs that we've written about hypnosis for just about every topic. And then if you want to make a small investment, I would definitely recommend my book. I think it's on sale on Amazon for $10 right now. It's called Close Your Eyes, Get Free. And it's a handbook really for self-hypnosis. So the subtitle is Use Self-Hypnosis to Reduce Stress, Quit Bad Habits, and Achieve Greater Relaxation and Focus. And the whole point for why I wrote the book is because I said, if I'm going to make hypnosis mainstream, that means everybody, no matter you know what numbers are reflected in your bank account, no matter um, what your socioeconomic experience is, you need to be able to access your own theta brainwave state, your own subconscious mind, even if I'm not around. Now, with self-hypnosis, you're not going to go back to childhood and reframe a trauma, but what you can do is change your state in the moment. So if you're feeling anxious, you can get into that theta brainwave state and use hypnoaffirmations to change yourself from feeling anxious to feeling calm, to feeling confident, and if you're feeling sad and you want to feel grateful, we know how difficult it is to change those feelings just consciously. But in the theta brainwave state, it's very simple. And then the more we do that, we're conditioning ourselves to feel over time the way we want to feel, and we're creating those new neural pathways that strengthen. Um, so the book is great. After that, you could get our app also on the website. You can join our membership that allows you to get um, recordings at a discounted rate. And then from there, it's private hypnotherapy sessions. And private hypnotherapy sessions are hands down the fastest way to change your life with hypnosis. But they're also the most expensive because you're working with a trained professional. And um, those women who studied with me and graduated from my school at gshypnosis.com offer really great rates uh, for private sessions if you want to study with them. And I'm super expensive because I'm also the CEO of the company. But if anybody uh, is interested in learning more about working with me privately, that info is also at gshypnosis.com. Great. And it's G for Grace, S for Smith, gshypnosis.com. 
I think I'm out of questions. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go download the app as soon as we uh, get off the call and uh, and go go find my subconscious oh, and, uh, and have have it whip me into shape. <laughs> well, thank you. These were really excellent questions. They were fascinating, and I think that you really asked what a lot of people want to know and what they're wondering about. So I, I appreciate you um, going there. This was really great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I, 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 you know, I didn't ask about, you know, chickens and, and stage stuff, which uh, I'm still rather curious about because I've seen some weird stuff. I'll just say I'll just give a very brief, you know, idea into behind that curtain there. Every single person on those hypnosis stage shows raised their hand and volunteered to be in it. You will never see a hypnotist grab someone from the audience who doesn't want to participate and drag them up on stage because, again, they want to have the result. And if you watch those shows from beginning to end, when people stop participating, right, if it were mind control, they would do everything the hypnotist asked, but people will do some and not do others. If they're not participating, the hypnotist removes them from the stage so that by the end of the show, you're only watching that one person who wanted to respond to every single suggestion. So keep that in mind the next time you watch a show and it, it won't seem so um, miraculous. <laughs> uh -huh. So it's, it's, there's, there's selection bias going on. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Grace Smith, I'm so glad that we got this chance to talk. I feel like you've, you've really opened my horizons to, to possibilities that I, um, I wasn't considering beforehand. So I'm definitely going to check out all of the the links and the services that you talked about. Um, I kind of feel sad that I didn't um, like you do a demo. Like you could, you know, you could have fixed me for free, but uh, in, in, in front of everybody. <laughs> next time you have to be back. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, yeah, I, we'll do it next time. <laughs> I have the record. I have a recording of that, so uh, I'll I'll have my I'll have my <laughs> listeners write in the, the most annoying things about me, and then we can choose one. <laughs> That, uh, that I want to fix right now. So, um, again, Perfect. G as long as you want the result, that sounds good. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. So, Grace Smith, thank you so much for all you do, for, uh, for bringing hypnosis to the mainstream, for um, relieving the suffering of so many people, and for taking the time today. Thank you. This is such a pleasure. Okay. Take care. Well, I hope you are getting energized, you are getting hopeful, you are getting excited about the idea of using these powerful techniques to improve your own mindset, habit, outcomes. Thanks so much, Grace Smith. Check out her book, Close Your Eyes, Get Free. I just got it, started reading it. And it's kind of hard to read in bed at night because I keep trying the exercises at the end of each chapter and falling asleep. So uh, make sure you try this uh, sitting upright with uh, plenty of energy in your system. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever you'd like to call it or wherever you consume your podcasts. If you want to know how to do that on iTunes, just go to plantyourself.com slash review for a very quick video tutorial. For more information about WellStart Health, go to wellstarthealth.com slash program. You can read up and apply for the October 2018 cohort that will begin in a couple of weeks. If you're new to this show, you can catch up on hundreds and hundreds of archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. 
And if you really want to support the mission of this podcast, you can become a patron. Go to plantyourself.com, look on the right sidebar for the Patreon link, and then you can make an ongoing monthly contribution to this show to help me fund it, to help me pay for hosting, for equipment, and most of all, for the time and energy that I put into this that I'm not putting into anything else. So you can become a $1 a month patron uh, up to <laughs> the sky's the limit at any level you get access to about 36 healthy habit huddles. These are full length, hour long, mostly discussions of healthy habits. It's a lot of what I have learned over the past 20 years of helping people change their behavior, change their health destiny, change their lives. And that's available only for my paying clients and for patrons, because I am so grateful for your patronage. In garden news, the grapes are all done. The winter greens are starting to look like they might be edible someday. And we are conducting a running battle against fire ants, something we hadn't seen in this area at all until a couple of years ago. And now these giant nests are popping up everywhere. The ant, a single bite, will sting for days. Just imagine what it's like to roll around in tens of thousands of them. So thank you, Global Climate Change, for bringing these critters into our garden. Um, we're using orange oil and molasses and water. We're staying away from any of the nasty chemicals, so our food is still good to eat. Um, but that's an, a bit of exercise that we would prefer not to be getting to deal with all these uh, fire ant nests. In running news, I've been picking up the pace a little bit, done a couple of sub 10 miles in my last few runs, so feeling like maybe I'm on the mend. And I'll be going to New York for another bunch of sessions with uh, Alec Hellner, the uh, body worker, physical therapist, whatever he does, extraordinaire, who helped me so much last time. So I'm really looking forward to that. All right, I'm grateful today. Are you? I'm grateful for Will Ridenour, who allows me to use Sabali Don, the Dance of Peace, for this podcast's theme music, intro and outro. Here, let's listen to it now for a few seconds. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Got a new one this week, actually been a patron for a while, and somehow I forgot to add Deanne's name to the list. So listen to the very end, and you'll hear me say Deanne again. So here we go. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hathaway, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Aaron, John Falkonofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elizabeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanola, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Runs of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gail Esser, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Visa of Gio, and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Inman, Rise with Cinnamon. Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Amat, Molly Levine, the Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corcoran, Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bailey Lynch, Planet B. Organ, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Michelle Rudlis, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rosalind, Ayat, Julie Lang, Holm Hedegaard, Issa Susan Watt, Colleen Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva Lelhoff, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Cherry Orlikoski, A Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Mirani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Carissa Carell, Kevin McCauley. 
Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle Land, Jesse Sherald Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divot, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Cassia, Emily Iconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Picorni, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Kartz, and Deanne Bishop for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Reidenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willreidenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mauer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Lukanowski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X. Elspeth Feldman, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Benham, Gillis, Sarah David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Jerome Avizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva L, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmads, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R, Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, D.N. Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Izatuzin Wah, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divot, Joshua Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullich, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parang Ganshik, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sawyer Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, and Sarah Johnson for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. 